we are continuing in the book of James. And so I have a question for you this morning. How are you doing, my fellow ducks? If you've not been here for a bit, you're like, why is she calling us ducks? And if you're joining us online this morning, you and you're here for the first time, you might be wondering why. Why is she calling the people ducks? Well, a couple of weeks ago, in week two of our James series, I shared a story by Soren Kierkegaard where he tells of this little duck town where all the ducks live. And every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses and they waddle down the street and they waddle into church. They waddle to their seat and they squat down and they wait and they sing with the duck choir, and then they wait for the duck pastor as the duck pastor comes and delivers the word for the ducks. And the pastor encourages the ducks, saying, God has given you wings, and with these wings you can fly. With these wings you can rise up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings, and you can fly like birds. And after all the ducks shout amen, they waddle on home. Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when it's wrong, when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do right. So now let me ask you, did you waddle into church this morning? Or did you fly, ducks? See, James is not an easy book. As one author suggested, it is a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. And this is where we are, being challenged at the very core of our being. And if we are just hearing the word and then waddling about our merry little way, you are missing the point. You have wings. You are meant to soar like eagles. So we are now in week four of our journey together in this beautiful five-chapter book written by the brother of Jesus. His name is Jacob. We call him James. And James did not believe that Jesus, his older brother, was the son of God. In fact, he was sure to give Jesus a hard time. And his faith was not birthed until after his brother died on the cross and was resurrected and came for a visit. Then James believed. And it says that the Lord used James. He became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He knows what it's like to be transformed by the renewing of his mind. James was often seen praying in the temple, interceding 
I wonder if he had the words of Joel in his mind about praying between the porch and the altar. Praying for the people. And he spent so much time on his knees that he was nicknamed Camel Knees. So if you haven't had time in the last month to sit down, I beseech you to make time this week to sit down and to read these five chapters. Read them with a friend. Read them alone. Pull out an app and have them read to you. But let this word get into your mind, into your heart, and into your soul. You don't want to spend all the days of your duck life waddling when you can soar. And that's what the call is, is to soar. Now I'm going to warn you, this morning's message is not easy. This one's tough. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray, but you're going to pray too. See, as I ask the Lord to guide us through this, I want you very softly to say to the Lord, speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. And as you say that, you're committing to respond to the word that he's going to pour out. So together, let's pray. Father God, here we are. Gathered as family to be transformed by you. So we humble ourselves to your word. We humble ourselves before your spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Don't let us leave the same as we came in. Speak to us as individuals. Speak to us as families. Speak to us as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready? All right. So have you ever wondered why we all can't just get along? I didn't read your mail. Holy Spirit did. Just FYI. Do you ever think, seriously, why can't we just get along? See, James asked that same question in chapter 4. And just before we go there, I don't mean when you turn on the news and you see conflict around the world. I mean, yeah, why can't we all just get along? But I mean in your own private world. With your kids, with your spouse, with your neighbor, with a coworker. Do you ever feel like conflict follows you around? It's because it does. So in James chapter 4, and I'm going to change it up on us today because I'm reading from the New Living Translation. James asks this same question. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? 
You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. And you only want what will give you pleasure. So here we go, everyone. We are being called out this morning. Why? Because there is a war taking place in our hearts all the time. There is a battle of who is going to be the singular desire of your heart. What in this life is your greatest pleasure? See, the Lord requires that that be him. And yet, we all know it's the right thing to say. But we all struggle with it, don't we? See, Paul calls it out in, in Romans chapter 1 when he says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. There is a war within us. And we battle it all the time. So you wonder why there's conflict? You wonder why there's strife? You wonder why there's quarreling? Because we're seeking to displace God. See, if you have come to faith in Jesus, if you've had a moment where you surrendered your life and he became Lord of your life, then you no longer belong to yourself. It's not your life. It's his. And yet, living surrender to that feels impossible on most days. See, this isn't a word for one of us or some of us, but all of us. Because the battle exists in our hearts. We desire for sometimes everything but God. This life is not your own. Your heart, your mind, your soul is to be solely his. And yet we have evidence that it's not. Why? Because there's quarreling and fighting and arguing all the time. I want you to hear me this morning. James is calling us through this letter to be more like the people we were created to be. We are, we are image bearers. Created in the image of the holy God. James is saying, you were made for more. Not waddling ducks. Ducks that soar like eagles. 
But until this gets deep into our hearts and into our minds and becomes the desire, our very heartbeat, we are left waddling. And as long as we seem to be waddling at the pace of those waddling around us, we think we're doing pretty good. I don't want to waddle. I want to fly. Do you want to fly? Some of you do. Do you want to soar like eagles? Loved ones, we've bought the lie that waddling's enough. We've, we've bought the lie that as long as we're cleaned up and we look good, we can waddle about our merry way and God is pleased. He's not. He's not. Because he created you for more. He created you to be like his son. He's called you to be living proof. James says you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you, you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. We are so busy living life on the horizontal that we just slip the vertical in every now and again. Waddlers. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, and maybe what I'm about to say to you, you might think is sacrilegious. I promise you it is not. Do you know that there's a wrong way to pray? There is a wrong way to pray. And James is saying, you, you, you have not because you don't ask because your motives are wrong. So get this. Picture standing before Jesus. Now think of the things you ask him for. The materialistic possessions you long to have. The parking spots. The platforms, the followers on social media. See, we, we pray to the holy God like he's a genie in a bottle. And we say, Father God, fill this desire in my heart, but don't fill it with you. I, I, I want a new car. Make it fancy with a big screen inside. Help me to go viral on social media. See, we, we are constantly praying with the wrong motives. See, what God wants is, Lord, I need to be filled with you. Help my heart to align with your heart. To pray prayers that say, may my heart look like your heart, whatever that takes, Lord Christ. But James is saying that we, we want this and we want that and we are seeking contentment with the world. We ask the Lord to give us the things of this world. Are you feeling it yet? 
to you and I. Oh, how we have a bent to worship and serve things rather than God. So I want to I want to hard stop here for a moment. And I I want you to actually turn your thoughts for a second to Jesus and Jesus alone. And I want you to ask him a question. I want you to ask him, Lord, is that me? Do I do that? Lord, do I do that? Don't push that feeling aside. That heaviness that you feel right now, we got to stay there. Because, loved ones, we have to go all the way with this. If we are going to be authentic in this life with Jesus, we need surgery this morning. See, what we claim to believe has to be evident in how we live. Not just in public, but in private. Not just on the public platform, but in the private closet before him. James goes on in verse 4 to say, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You adulterers, you adulterous people, the NIV says. Why does James use that word? See, the Lord uses this imagery all throughout the Old Testament. And he talks about his relationship with his people and he likens it onto a marriage. Where he is the groom and you and me are the bride. That sacred, set apart, intimate relationship. This covenanted relationship, forsaking all others. That is the vow you took. And then we go off and we seek other things. The God who spoke the world into existence wants you to be wholly and completely his. And we say, we want that too. Thank you, Jesus. Now, can you help me get that really nice house? Just one more purse. Or... That set of tools. Are you with me? Adulterous people. You and I. We're guilty this morning of committing adultery. 
we've betrayed our God. See, he has created us with passion and desire. And we've gone before him and we've asked him to fill it with the things of this world. Instead of asking him to fill it with himself. We ask for the things of a world that is evil. Because this world is ruled by the father of lies, the prince of darkness. And it offers nothing of God. And yet we have a burning passion for it. Adultery. Plain and simple. Black and white. That's what James is pointing out to us. And every time we choose the things of this world over the things of God, we make ourselves his enemy. Now, I suspect not one of you has raised your fist to God recently and said, you are my enemy. But I need you to hear our weeping heavenly father who says, every time you choose the world over me, you choose to be my enemy. You choose it. Every time you come to me and you ask me for the things of this world, you choose to be my enemy. Do you feel the heartbreak of the Father? We have chosen. To displace him. We have chosen to push him aside. Does it sicken your heart this morning? It sickens mine. That conviction you feel. That's the spirit. Stirring something in your heart. Verse 5, James says, don't you think that the scripture, do you think that the scripture has no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that, that the spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him. See, the Lord, the day, the moment you confessed faith in Jesus, he deposited his spirit in you as a guarantee, as a deposit, saying you belong to him. And his spirit in you should help make us faithful to him. And yet we don't honor our end. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So here's the good news, loved ones. We get a fresh start. This God, who will have no business of sharing you with the world 
will give you a brand new opportunity this day to put him first. See, as long as we are on this earth, as long as there's breath in our lungs and we wake up in the morning, it's a brand new start. So we might have come in as waddlers, but we don't have to waddle out. Because his mercy is new every day. But we have to step into that. See, even if you are here today or you've joined us online and you've never made a commitment to the Lord, today's the day. The invitation to receive him is open. The invitation to repent, to be forgiven and restored, it is open. God is open for business. He loves you that much. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never takes a minute off. And his heartbeat is for you. His heartbeat is for you to be in right relationship with him, for you to know wholly and completely who he created you to be. James goes on in verse 7 to tell us what to do. He says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. See, the way forward is to get low. The way forward this morning is brutal honesty. So you have two options. You can ignore this. You can turn off that uncomfortable feeling that you feel right now. But it will cost you. It will harden your heart. A little peace will die. And it'll be harder the next time to receive from the Lord. Or, as his people set apart, we can get low together. We can humble ourselves this morning. Because this word was for you. For you specifically. Not just you collectively. The Lord wants to do great things here at Northview. We're on the other side of the Jordan. The Lord wants to do 
amazing things here at Northview. But it has to begin with us. It has to begin in us. And there's just work to be done. But we have to submit to the work. See, this amazing God that we serve is a gentleman. And he will never overstep your boundaries. He will never force his way in. He will never break down the door. But he will knock. And he will wait. And he will bring people alongside to encourage. But he will never force his way in. He will never force you to die to yourself. He leaves it up to you to decide. He's given us his word. His spirit is here. His love is unendless. His mercy is new. But it requires you. You have a role in this marriage. And in a few minutes, we are going to share communion together. But before we do that, loved ones, we have to respond to the Lord. And I, and I recognize that for some, this feels like a really vulnerable moment. But this is a safe place. This is God's house. And we come here to, to encounter him. We come here to be spurred on and encouraged. We come here to be convicted and transformed. This is a safe space. This is a safe place. And we all need to make things right this morning. Because we've all chosen friendship with the world in one way or another. And we need to confess that. We need to repent of that. We need to receive forgiveness for that. And we need to allow the Lord to restore us into right relationship with him. So we need to make room for the spirit. So I'm actually going to invite the worship team to just come on back up and just play some music softly. And we are going to get to communion in a minute. But as the worship team comes up, you've got work to do. It's between you and him. But there's a conversation you have to have. And so I'm going to invite you this morning to actually do that. 
we, we call this area at the front of the church the altar. I've I spent many a times here in this very place on my face before God. So I'm going to invite you this morning to respond. So if you would like to come up, I'll just encourage you to stay on either side of this tape. You'll be out of our live feed. But to come up and get alone with the Lord. To kneel where you are, to stand, to, to go to this side. But we are going to take a minute, loved ones, and do business with God. Because we don't want to waddle out of here. We want to be a people who soar like eagles. So I'm going to start to pray, and you're going to respond. And we're going to just take a few minutes before the Lord. And then we'll gather again. And we'll take the Lord's Supper together. So, Father, I confess that I know shamefully that I have chosen at times friendship with the world over you. And I am so sorry because you are more worthy and more wonderful than anything this world has to offer me. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Break our hearts for the things that break yours. We want to be transformed by the move of your Spirit.
Father, we ask for your forgiveness today. We ask that you would replace hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. That we would be a people who are tender for the things of the Spirit. Tender for the kingdom things. Fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Will you make us more like your son today? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. If by chance you did not receive a communion, and just lift your hand and an usher will be happy to make sure you have an emblem and juice this morning. It's the one hand piece that's tough. So we come to this meal this morning as children of the one true God. And Jesus makes the guest list. He called you. He wrote your name down. Our family chosen by God. And you know, after Jesus died and he was resurrected and he went to be with the disciples, he broke bread with them again around the table. And my heart's prayer is that today we would see the face of the Lord, that we would know the sweetness of his presence as we partake in this family meal together. On the night that Jesus was handed over, he was gathered with his friends for a meal beforehand, and he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it, saying, This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. Will you partake? Pray with me, Jesus, as we take this bread. 
Let it be a sign of all you've done for us and who you are to us this day. And after sharing the bread, Jesus took the cup of wine and he gave it to them to drink and he held it up and he said, this is my blood. A new covenant that is poured out for so many. As we drink this cup together, we declare the death and resurrection of our king until he comes back for us, loved ones. Will you drink with me? So, Father God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for all of the ways, Jesus, that you draw us unto you. Thank you for making a way for us to be in right relationship with you. Father God, we ask that you would give us strength and conviction to be a people wholly set apart for you as living proof of your life in us and in this world. We pray all of this in the name of our King, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to benedict us and let the worship team sing us out. It's from 2 Corinthians 3, 13, verse 14. And if you've been in the Anglican tradition, you will know it as the grace. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Serve him well this week, church. Love you.